Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. In the Old Testament, Elijah was one of those guys. As he moved around, he kept talking about everybody's wrong and everybody's wrong. And pretty soon, remember what Elijah did? He kind of went like this. The whole world's wrong. I'm the only one that's serving God. He said, I'm the only one. And remember, God said, I don't think so. There's plenty of others. So when you get like, you're the guy, you're the gal, you're the one that, no, pride comes and God goes, no, you're not. There's a tendency, possibly fueled by Old Testament images of them, to think of prophets as people specially gifted by God and on a different, higher level than the rest of humanity. The problem with this thinking is that it's not how God thinks of them. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the humanity of prophets. Now they're just as likely to mess up as anyone else. You'll be learning that the important thing, no matter what your gift is, is to be sure you're listening to and obeying God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues this series called Motivational Gifts. Many people equate a prophet with the eye of the body, the perceiver of truth. In other words, these are the people that are always looking and they're trying to detect, whoop, that isn't true. Let's speak out about it. They're always looking because they know that Satan is the father of lies. And only the truth can set you free. So they understand that, and they're passionate about it. So if indeed they are the perceivers gifted with this, this passage in Matthew speaks to their heart greatly. Matthew chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of life. Now that speaks to us specifically, but think about what that means. Think about many of the Protestant denominations today in our country. Because the individual standing here in the pulpit isn't speaking truth. Notice what this statement says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of life. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You can just write some denominations right over that. By the way, you can write in large Europe over that. What has happened to Europe? They're ungodly. How did it get that way? Because truth stopped being proclaimed. 
Think if Martin Luther, who was given truth, a perceiver, had not been a man with the gift of a prophet. What if he was a man that was focused in the gift of grace and mercy? Probably never would have spoken out. But he spoke out, and because of that, truth came. And of course, that brings us number four, number five. Number four, a prophet is committed to whatever they do. They're going for it because people's lives are on the line. They're simply going for it. Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. We'll go through this a little bit, and I think it will help you see this in the man called John the Baptist. Any of you see yourself as a prophet so far? You see some of that happening? Okay. It's interesting because some commentators really believe that prophets don't have many friends. If you're a prophet and you are alone and you put your hand up, you're probably are really a prophet. There's nobody next to you. Now, number five, once proof of real repentance. In other words, they're looking for fruit. John the Baptist was a man who was a prophet. John the Baptist, you'll see in a moment, if you look down in chapter 3, down at verse 8, John the Baptist says to the Pharisees, where's your fruit? You claim that you're speaking truth. Where's the fruit? There isn't any fruit. And so he just, he just challenges them right on the spot. Truth. You see, John the Baptist knew that bad fruit comes from bad root. Something isn't right in a person's life if there's no fruit. So a person that's a prophet isn't just talking about truth. They're very interested in the people they're speaking to getting the message, and it changes their life. Most pastors have somewhat a gift of a prophet. Because, well, Paul said it kind of like this. Timothy... Preach the word, not a word, the word, preach it. Instant, in season, honesty, just preach it. Now you would hope that most pastors who have a gift of prophet have a few other gifts in there as well, like this, without it. God says, if you're not saved tonight, go to hell. <laughs> Anybody want to accept them? No, get out. See, that's pure prophet. If a prophet's witnessing to somebody and the person says, well, what if I don't believe the word of God's true? What are you, an idiot? Get away from me. God's word's all true. So hopefully I have more than just the gift of a prophet. But what if a pastor doesn't have the gift of a prophet at all? Or he allows that gift not to be used. And he just says, well, man, got a building coming up. we got a new parking lot. Man, we can't lose that giver. Can't say that in church. And Whoa. See the difference? And so there needs to be this balance in all of our lives. Number six, very persuasive in defining truth. They're not only for truth, but if they see compromise coming... Wow, they're going to speak about it. That's good. How did Europe fall? Like this? Boom. No. How do all of us backslide? 
That's the way it works. And so it's good to have prophets around because they see things kind of declining slowly. And go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've moved away from this. John did this a lot in the book of Revelation. You left your first love. He had to speak it. A lot of good stuff. So he had a good mixture, but he had to speak it. Well, let me stop here and tell you about this. With all of the gifts that we're going to look at, all seven, if we don't operate them in the spirit, but we operate them in the flesh, disaster is coming. And we can all do that. In fact, let me rephrase that. We all do do that. Sometimes I don't use my gift in the spirit. I use it in the flesh. So if we do that, there's disaster coming. So notice this prophet is usually open to correction because they not only want your life to be right, they want their life to be right. But if they're in the flesh and not the spirit, they're not open to correction. In other words, let me give you an example. When we get down to it in a moment, let's say I am too harsh. And somebody says, man, you just sliced me. I mean, what you said was true, but couldn't you said it another way? A prophet who's in the spirit is going to say this. Man, you're right. I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. I saw the danger. Man, I had to tell you. I had to tell you. But I sure could have said it another way. That's operating in the spirit. And so they're open to somebody even saying gently back to them, Whoa, what was that? So don't get this picture. I'm a prophet and no one's going to say anything to me. (laughs) Remember, we're all to be teachable. And John the Baptist, by the way, remember, he was in prison. He got confused and he sent some of his boys to say to Jesus, "Uh, Was I right? Are you the Messiah or aren't you? So he was open. Of course, Jesus went back and said, well, look what I'm doing. We just studied that. All the things I'm doing, he was corrected. Number eight, willing to suffer for what's right. A true prophet, they lay it on the line. You need those kind of people. They're not men pleasers. They're God pleasers. And last, very often these people are into intercession. Their prayers. They're so concerned, not only do they speak to man, but they speak to God. So you'll see them having a heart for stuff just not going right. In Matthew chapter 3 that I went to, let's take a look and read just these nine verses and see if you can see some of those things we just talked about with John the Baptist, those traits that we talked about. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is near. Did John have to say that? Oh, he just had to say it. Because he was set apart before he was born with these giftings. So he does that. He had to express it. It's black and white. It's not repent if you like to. It's repent. And this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Clarify it. No compromise right there. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Remember sometimes this prophet, because there's such going for it, they're not into lots of people. Well, John was one of those guys. He was out in the wilderness. Locust things in his beard with honey all over it, whatever. People didn't want to be around him too much. And yet, 
His message was spirit-filled because look at verse 5. People went out from Jerusalem, Judea, and over the whole region of Jordan. What did they do? They confessed their sins. That's the goal of a prophet, to see the truth change people's lives. It's not just the truth. It's lives being changed. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Notice verse 7. Here we go. This prophet is outspoken. Biblical truth. Wants to proof of real repentance. Going to give it to you. Look at verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptized, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Now that's pretty frank, isn't it? Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Now you guys produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. In other words, you think you're in the heaven because you're related to Abraham? Get real. Get real, get right, is really what he's trying to say. So, by the way, did John the Baptist suffer for doing what was right? Killed for it. So it didn't matter. When he saw something wrong with Herod, he said it to him. Now, let's talk about the opposite. Let's talk about the dangers of being a prophet. Maybe that's one of your giftings. And you see a little bit of that in you. Or maybe you're married to one. And now you go, oh, I know. God, help me. Please help me. I see that. Hopefully, if you're a prophet, full-on prophet, hopefully you're kind of maybe married to a person of mercy. Because that's a nice balance for you and for them. See, a prophet takes everything to himself. A mercy person gives away the house. You need that, that thing together. You see what I mean? Okay. Here's the dangers if operated in the flesh. A prophet, if they're not careful, they fall into legalism. It's black. It's white. Second, if they're not careful, they'll be harsh, critical, and judgmental. And see, with that, sometimes they're not the best kind of diplomat. They just speak impulsively. And then they go, whoops, shouldn't have said it that way. Number three, they can often condemn the person and not the sin. In other words, they begin to focus on the individual instead of the sin that was wrong in them. Now, Jesus was a great prophet. But you remember how he handled the woman at the well? He said, I go get your husband. He says, I don't have one. See, a true prophet in the flesh goes, yeah, I know it. You're lying to me again. We're doing that about it. But he said, no. Do you believe Jesus answered her that way, by the way? No. He said, well, you're right. You don't have one. But, you know, you've had five and the guy you're living with now is, he's not your husband. If he would have been harsh and critical, I believe she probably would have walked away. But she went, whoa, I perceive you're a prophet. Yes, exactly right. And then notice he moved from truth applied in her life. He didn't discourage her. He encouraged her. So if you're a prophet, remember, your goal is not to go, got him, sliced him, diced him, shredded him. Yeah. No, that's not our goal. You'll see it as we move toward the end. So we have to be careful that we don't focus on the person. Like in the Old Testament, you're wrong and poke the person right in the eye. Don't do that. In the Old Testament, Elijah was one of those guys. As he moved around, he kept talking about everybody's wrong and everybody's wrong. And pretty soon, 
Remember what Elijah did? He kind of went like this. The whole world's wrong. I'm the only one that's serving God. He said, I'm the only one. And remember, God said, I don't think so. There's plenty of others. So when you get like, you're the guy, you're the gal, you're the one that... No, pride comes and God goes, no, you're not. Number four, intolerant. You want to say, well, I'm not really doing what you just said I'm doing. Oh, yeah, you are. You're doing it. You won't listen to somebody expressing their view back to you. Impersonal. Sometimes a prophet can be focused on the big picture and they just miss the individual. Notice how many times the individual is kind of out of the picture. It's just this truth. But Jesus over and over showed us that he met with people. He looked them in the eye. He ministered to them. Sure, the world was going to hell, but he ministered to the people one-on-one. Impulsive. They hear this, the judgment's made. And after they do that, they go, man, I didn't gather any facts. I just said to them, you're sinning. They didn't get the whole picture. Anybody in this room ever impulsive? When you hear somebody did this, what's our natural reaction? As pastors, we have to really fight that. And we all kind of have to warn ourselves once in a while. Somebody will come in, sit down with me, and they'll go, boom, 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 boom. And I say, whoop, 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 good. Let's hear the whole story before we make a decision. Sometimes pastors have to say to me, you didn't, you didn't hear the whole story. Well, you're right. So see, there's always at least two sides, aren't there? We need to get that. A prophet, it's my side. You're wrong. It's black and it's white. There's no wiggle room at all. And with that comes the last one. There is no joy of the Lord then. So a prophet with no joy in the Lord becomes very harsh, very legalistic. People don't even respond to that. So remember, the joy of the Lord is indeed our strength. Now, you can write these last five things down because they won't be too hard for you. This is the balance that we're going to end with. Let's talk about it. Number one, if you have that gift of a prophet, make sure it's the word of the Lord, not just your word. In other words, make sure you're quoting the verse right, the passage right. And you're saying, thus saith the Lord, not Mark Balmer's interpretation of thus saith the Lord. Remember, if I'm this true prophet and I'm looking at the Bible, how do I see it? Black and white. It's God's will or it's not God's will. And that brings us to the second point. There are gray areas in the real world. Now, if you're a prophet, you're saying, show me, prove it. I don't believe it. Well, there are. You read Romans 14. Paul talks about this. Some can eat meat, some can't eat meat. There's weak people, don't stumble them, all these things. So remember, there are gray areas. Everything isn't black and white. And of course, in those gray areas, we let the Spirit direct. We can make suggestions, we can say, as sometimes I do in a counseling session, well, everything's lawful, but some things are better versus good. The old days, Sears would give good, better, and best when you bought a piece of their tools or equipment. Well, the more you serve God, it should be the best, not just the good. Of course, that comes with maturity. Number three, this is frustrating for a prophet. 
they can't change anyone. If I give them the truth, they're going to change. We learned we can motivate people by guilt. We can motivate people by fear, but it never lasts. They have to have the Holy Spirit convict them. Those of you that raised in the church many, many, many years ago, in our church services, some pastors would do the altar call 27 times until they got at least one person down. And if they couldn't, they'll go to the audience and bring them down. I've been there. I've seen it. And it was because they wanted somebody to respond to what they just said. I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a great job. He's God. So a prophet does his thing and lets the Word through the Holy Spirit do their thing. Number four, hard but absolutely essential. If you're a prophet, you have to learn to speak the truth in love. That comes from Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. Number five, the overall goal for a prophet is restoration. Now, if possible, we don't compromise in black and white areas. We'll let people come in and all kinds of things in counseling sessions. And we tell them, here's what the Word says. You can't be doing this. It's black and white. Well, I think I'm going to do it. Basically, what I say kind of then is, okay, that's fine. Counseling session's over. Because that's my guideline. If it's gray, I let them make the decision. I talk about good, better, and best, but I let them make the decision. I'll probably even give them a recommendation of what I think's best, but I'm not the Holy Spirit. But remember, our goal is to restore people. Aren't you glad somebody restored you? And number six, if you're a prophet, use your gift. You'll hear this with all seven gifts. Use it. You're needed. You're so needed in the body of Christ. But make sure you use it by the Spirit. See, a prophet helps keep us on God's path. Works. Straight. Don't slip into false teaching. Go forward. Now, if you're a prophet, God wired you that way. And he wired you to operate with the Spirit. Do it. We need you. But remember all the things we talked about. Last thing. Take a look at this last passage in Hebrews. I think it says it so well for all of us. Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows when we do things that we're not operating correctly with our gift. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16 is the balance we need. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Some of your translations say, boldly. But notice why we go to the throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. That's the underlining focus of a prophet, to get people to God who feels for them, who hurts for them, who will correct them, and will give them grace and mercy as they show fruits of repentance. 
Today, you heard Pastor Mark talk more about the character traits and other giftings that someone with the gift of prophecy might have. You learned that they have a very much black and white way of viewing the world. You found out how that can be a good thing, but also can be a hindrance if not seasoned with grace. The important thing is to stay close to God. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This brings us to the end of part four of Pastor Mark's series called Motivational Gifts. Next time, he'll begin part five, where he'll be teaching about the gift of service. You'll learn that all Christ followers are to have this gift to one degree or another. Pastor Mark will teach that the goal is to discover, recognize, acknowledge, and then use whatever gift you have. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series called Motivational Gifts. That's next time on Lessons for Living.